All right, welcome back to The Underdogs, a podcast dedicated to covering the twists, turns, laughs, and tears of the Emmy Award-winning Apple TV series. That's right, for season two, as well, Ted Lasso. That's right. In every episode, just to, just to get you familiarized with what we're doing here, we do a brief episode overview, followed by a three-word episode review. Then we analyze what happened on the pitch, you know, the football stuff, off the pitch, the workplace comedy stuff, and the main theme of the episode. We follow this by a bit of pub trivia and finally crown, as Roy Kent would say, a winner-winner football dinner uh, of the episode. Easy enough, right? That's right. Today we are covering our Season 2, Episode 1, Goodbye Earl. This episode covered the long-awaited debut of Season 2 back in 2021. The difference between Season 2 episodes and Season 1 is that we recorded Season 2 episodes when the show was on air. It was fresh. We were doing it in real time. Whereas Season 1, we had a little bit more time to go back and watch it. That's right. A quick request, though, if you if you like what you're hearing on the podcast, and, and hopefully by this point you've listened to at least one season of it, so that would be good. Uh, then please engage with us on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter at Pod Underdogs. We look forward to continuing the conversation there. All right. Well, without further delay, grab some orange slices, you animals, and let's head to the Nelson Road Stadium for an unfortunate, unlucky, and unforgettable introduction to season two. Dan, we got to kick it off the only way we know how. Well, it's a three-word episode reveal. You know, we, we like the three-word theming of things, and we came up with a couple. Mine is just to start the season that... The three words are, everyone is adrift. All right. I, I, I went with Dr. Sher, Sharon Fieldstone. She she clearly had a pretty big role in this one. Uh, Lay the so hammer was, down. Yep, pretty pretty easy for me. Nick? I went with uh, what I think was the best, the best line in the entire episode, and that's struck by lightning. All right. So if we kick it off with what happened on the pitch, we, we can break down what happened off the pitch because as Nick uh, correctly built this script. There's a story what's happening on the pitch, and then there's very much one happening off the pitch. So inside the chalk lines, the Greyhounds have not started their quest to rejoin the Premier League in good form with seven straight draws. Um, in case you forgot, they were relegated at the mm-hmm. end of last season. Danny Rojas kills Earl, the team mascot, with a penalty. Super weird. Uh, Ted talks about grief and loss in a stirring post-game presser, which was very impressive. Uh, then Ted, Higgins, Beard, and Nate agree to bring in Dr. Sharon Fieldstone, a sports psychologist, to help with the quote-unquote yips, which we're not supposed to say. Uh, she arrives and begins to dig into Ted without him knowing it at first, while also helping Danny Rojas, Colin, and Zorro uh, all work on their stuff. So anyways, Nick, you got three different things that happened on the pitch there. Where do you think we should start? Uh, one of my favorite little, it's, it's just, we talked about this in the first episode. How do you know that they know football culture is when they brought up the yips, they, uh, alluded to a really common thing that Chelsea fans know, and that's the Y word. And I thought that was a really impressive tie in to like, don't use the Y word. And it was very subtle. Um, but I was just mega impressed with that. I picked up on that immediately. And I mean, it's just the team doesn't have confidence, right? I mean, they, they got the drop last season. Ted somehow stayed on because they needed to make three seasons of the show. Um, and so everybody's, you know, as Dan said, kind of adrift. And uh, the fact that they've had seven straight draws, errors, as, as the commentary would allude to, uh, it just it just shows that they are not in a great place um, from a mental standpoint, and they need some luck and they need some 
to do some digging to get back on the good foot. Yeah, it was a good episode to set the stage for the upcoming season. I think the introduction of a little Midwest skepticism as it relates to therapy as someone, mm-hmm. <laughs> as I think, you know, many of us uh, have gone to a therapist before, understand the experience and understand maybe the steps that are required to enter into that type of conversation. And Ted's only experience of it coming from having to go to it through a divorce proceeding rather than to talk to someone as an individual. I think it's alluding to the fact that we are going to get a Ted Lasso, Dr. Fieldstone showdown at some point with him as the patient behind Higgins' office door where they break it down and he really starts to unpack some of the, you know, emotional trauma that he's going through. You know, he had a divorce at the very tail end of last season that he finalized and now heading into this season. Um, I mean, for those who don't know, uh, Sarah Niles, who plays uh, Dr. Fieldstone, was also amazing in I May Destroy You as well and other series. so I think she's going to uh, bring a lot to the table, Brandon, and that's going to be uh, very interesting to watch that initially adversarial relationship blossom into something that I think actually does bring around uh, a catharsis for Ted over the course of the season. Yeah, I think that I think that's a pretty a pretty reasonable take, uh, surprisingly enough from you, Dan, uh, Mr. Hot Take Machine. Uh, but it all starts. It comes from that fact that Danny Ross, the beginning of the episode, He's going to take a penalty kick in stoppage time, win the game. And then Earl, the team mascot, gets off his leash. He's going to chase a pigeon. Weird, weird. And the next thing you know, you hear the dog barking. And, and yeah, it kind of just goes into the intro from there. And, or I'm sorry, it goes into the press conference where Ted tells that story about how he was attacked by a dog and had all this trauma and then ended up taking care of the dog uh, later in life before he had to get put down. And, and I wasn't ready for that, but when he delivered it, I was like, damn. And of course, there were no follow-up questions because I think every journalist in that room was like, yeah, okay. Well, I think that's a pretty satisfactory answer. Well, I, I asked this in the upcoming segment, Crown and Anchor Pub Trivia, as it's known. But I'll address it now because I think it probably fits better up here. It's such a weird scene. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really weird scene to lead off this highly anticipated second season of the show, right? First of all, how hard was that penalty kick? Uh, was that a David Luiz from Munich style penalty? It didn't look like it. Um, and it just seemed so unnecessary. You know, like, I guess that was, it was just odd. Like, the show hasn't missed for me very often, but it was just kind of a miss. So I guess my thought was, did Sudeikis or someone on staff recently lose a dog and they were trying to pay tribute in kind of a, you know, odd way on the show, maybe it just, cause otherwise it doesn't really fit for me. I, that, that was kind of the yeah. odd thing about it, you know? So I, my take was they wanted to introduce the sports psychologist quickly. And normally for players, they're on like a six, seven, eight game rut that kind of puts them into a funk. And I think they just needed like an instant catalyst to be like, what is something tragic that could happen to a player that we can show in an instant that would then justify needing to bring in a sports psychologist. Um, I think that was kind of like their gateway into it. And again, I think that the fact that they solved Danny Rojas in one session, Dan, is probably a little ambitious. But again, I think that they're just compressed on a timeline of a TV show and they're trying to get as many of a 
of the probably topics that happen in potentially a 38 match season into a seven to 10 episode, you know, TV season. Wait, wait, wait. You're telling me that they compress time in a magical way to wrap up a narrative story point okay. in television series. That's just, that's just madness. Brandon Busby. You said a lot of crazy things. When we've recorded shows together before, but this, this might be your wildest take ever. Here's my point. I don't think they needed to kill the dog to introduce the sports psychologist. If you, if you've drawn seven games in a row and you were just relegated, relegated and you had a bunch of players who lack confidence, uh, I, I just felt like it was completely odd and unnecessary. Like, I think you could have brought, like, there are plenty of, like, stories where players just can't do, like, what they said about the Ips. They just can't do the basic fundamentals of their job. They just lose it, and they have to bring in someone to, like, crack that nut that's in their head, uh, and then they, they get better. It just, I don't know. It's one of my very few gripes with the show. Very few yeah, No, that's fair. Um, if we jump off the pitch, and one of the first things that happened was, that meanwhile, while this is all going on, Rebecca is dating again, which mm-hmm. is awesome. She's picked a boring weirdo suitor, but I mean, probably easier to get back in with. So she's consulting Ted for a bit of girl talk. Obviously, Keely, very prominent in this in this section. Well, and we, then, we should also highlight that that Ted was the backup answer, right? Like he, you know, was doing his you know duty as uh, a confidant. the biscuits. But- Look, I mean, Ke- Keely is the, the, the star. She's the initial hookup for that conversation, not for mm-hmm. I mean, Ted's Ted fill-in. Um, that, no, that makes sense. And then Keely and Roy, their relationship picked right back up with uh, the best scene in episode one after watching Roy give a spirited team talk to his new team that he's managing, or managing that we've just realized he is obviously retired. Uh, so we're kind of thrust into that realization. Um it, it features his niece, Phoebe, and this U9 girls team. Keely tries to convince Roy uh, after that spirited team talk where he learned about boundaries of what he can and can't say to U9 girls. <laughs> um, she's trying to get him in to be a Sky Sports pundit, to which Roy had a very delicately worded response back to that. I don't know if you remember it, Nick. I There were many words said <laughs> at that point. Um, and it was, you know, it was a cheeky way for Keeley to get Phoebe a little extra cash on the side. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it all tally, goes into the, the Phoebe tally. slush fund, as it were. Uh, then uh, Roy uh, then gives Rebecca some hard truths about her date after they go on a double date. Um, he said, quote, don't you dare settle for fine. You deserve someone who makes you feel like you've been struck by fucking lightning, end quote. Hear, hear. Boy, we got to we gotta work on your Roy, buddy. Well, <laughs> I didn't do the Roy. With it. He I left it and British then tried to end the end. with it. It was like, well, it was a roller coaster of attempt there, and it was very interesting. No, no, no. <laughs> Uh, The episode ends with Roy at his yoga class slamming Rosé and Jamie Tart is on TV as a contestant on Lust Conquers All, a Love Island ripoff to which he said he's the top uh, goal scorer. Sexually. Sexually. (laughs) Top scorer on the island. Whatever. Sexually. You get the point. It was gross. Uh, Uh, So glad to hear he's back. His new haircut (laughs) is hilarious. Uh, He is... I rewatched season one um, be- because it's great, and I actually think he might be the funniest person on the show. I they, the little stuff between him and Roy in season one was extraordinary, and I think he's probably the funniest part of the show. And I hope he I hope he is a part of S two. 
I, I'm, uh, yeah, I think he will be. Uh, one thing I want to touch on again is is that Roy. I mean, he's got a new role. He's still in the show. He's not going to matches, even though Ted leaves a ticket for him at the box office mm-hmm. under many different aliases. Uh, next week, it'll be Shania Twain, in case you've forgotten. Uh, was it Dolly Parton, one of the options, too? Feels Feel yeah. like a woman, you know? So, uh, yeah, so Roy's got this. He, he's got to kind of figure out this transition from being a professional footballer to not. And uh, albeit he's on a successful stint as a manager, I believe he's in the cup final this coming weekend. Uh, it's going to be weird for him. And that Yoga Moms and, and this Love Island ripoff and him just chugging rosé, like even that, you really just enjoy it to see see what he's up to. But surely he's going to make an appearance as a pundit at some point in the season. Well, it's it's so interesting, right? Because he is... He said at the end of last season, it's football's all I've ever known. And it's clear that he is trying to make his way outside of this very small ecosystem that he's been a part of for his entire life. He's just trying to figure out what he likes even, which is, is hard when you've just been doing one thing. It's like a career change when you're 40, you know, like what the hell am I going to do with this now? So it's, it's really interesting to watch him kind of struggle through that. And then also, mature a lot you know at the same time and i don't know he's he's a fascinating character to watch dan well i mean you got some options here we can pivot off roy if you want obviously you're a big keely fan well i mean who isn't a big keely fan first off uh very underutilized character this episode <laughs> no jamie tart is a big keely fan he just uh lost the race there um yeah, i think in general this is ink setting the stage. I know that my prediction was that Roy would end up on Ted's coaching staff by the end of the season. I think the Sky Sport pundit piece throws a little wrench in that. I think it might be something he tries, but he realizes he wants to wants to be closer to the game, and so he goes and does it maybe for an episode or two, and then decides he really wants to be back with the Greyhounds, back where it belongs. Wait till he takes the Roy Keane role and 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 he hates it, but everyone loves him on I know, it. So like I they know. get pushed into it. I was thinking about that all like he's going to hate it so much and everyone's gonna be like, ten year contract, billions of dollars. like uh I also uh based on the Sharon Fieldstone intro, I want a Sharon Fieldstone and Roy square off. Cause I think that there will be incredible stuff that comes out of that. It's going to happen. It will happen. Oh, oh yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. I mean, Roy seems to like be in a very like emotionally stable point, which is interesting because he's kind of like that closed off, but firecracker. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It, it, it'll definitely be something that uh, it might come up, but it, anyways, um, yeah. Dr. Sharon, um, what is her last name again? Fieldstone. 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 Um, made a huge splash into this. I mean, I guess, do you guys want to get into that with the yips right now? Absolutely. I mean, this is... We don't say that word. Well, yeah, we're going to have to in a podcast. I can't write it down and show it to you. I, I wrote the, the main theme for this episode, right? I think every one of these that we do kind of needs a main theme because that's that's just the way that shows work. Um, but I think the yips were were pretty prevalent throughout, and the obvious one is you know the players Danny Rojas, Colin Zarrow, and you know getting kind of treatment through Dr. Sharon Fieldstone. I also think it's with Lasso's confrontation to counseling and what that looks like, and he has the yips; he doesn't know what to do 
uh, when it comes to that. And then I also think it's Rebecca having the yips about her own self-worth at the same time. And so they, they did a very subtle job of, of kind of threading that needle all the way through the episode. And I thought that was uh, really fantastic. I mean, they, it's, it's very hard to pick up on a, a critically acclaimed award-winning show and just feel like you picked up where you left off, basically. I mean, we obviously missed, and I pray that we get to see Roy's retirement press conference shenanigans. Like, we obviously missed some of the context, but, you know, we're in October in the new season, so we missed a couple of months or whatever. But I thought, you know, it was just like seeing old friends again for a lot of it. But the but the yips were kind of the, the start of the season. That was kind of the theme. I think if you even pull it out a little further, it's really about a crisis of confidence from really every central character that exists in the show, whether it's Ted, whether it's Nate, who maybe has a, an issue of confidence in his ability to lead and, and to inspire and to be a part of a winning strategy and has adopted a completely different personality to deal with that. Higgins, who is not always been willing to stand up to people but it just gives up his office because <laughs> like oh yeah this is perfectly fine i'm running a club but i'm just gonna go take someplace else versus trying to find a different space to accommodate uh roy is dealing with it multiple players on the staff i mean you think at uh colin and then uh Zero both go into the therapy sessions as well like it's not just Ted and Rebecca, but it's very clearly a crisis of confidence that is existing around, you know, AFC, uh, you know, the, the Greyhounds at this point in time. So yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how the confidence gets re-inspired. And really the only two people who have that confidence are Keeley and Dr. Sharon Fieldson. It's, it's a, it's a big one. I'm obviously they, they said at the end of the episode when Ted went to go thank Dr. Fieldstone that she was just here for the day. You know, Higgins was like, oh, I thought a couple more players asked us here. I thought we'd squeeze her in before she leaves today. Um, and that's where we saw, you know, those two players as well go in. So I think that they teed it up to be a one-day thing. But quite clearly, we know this is not going away. We know that this is going to consume Ted, especially with his conversation with Coach Beard as well, right? He opened up about his experience in, in marital therapy and, and how that went for him. So again, I, I, I think the question you have here, Nick, is this is a huge potential theme that could run the course of the season. Is it a continuation from season one? Or do we feel like this is a new start, different angle in season two? I mean, I think it's very clear that mental health is going to be the theme of this season far and away i mean potentially it's, the show right yeah i mean it, you you saw the early stages of it last year once you kind of broke through the who are these characters what do they do and then you see ted break down in liverpool and you see everyone kind of go through their own personal reckonings or whatever and then it's very clear straight away in this season that they're tackling mental health i think it's a really bold thing to do um i thought that the way that beard asked two very simple questions just as a way to like explore why Ted was so apprehensive to to any sort of counseling or therapy was really smart because oftentimes you don't see two men talk about that stuff with each other. And I thought that's a really powerful thing to do uh, in, a, in a show that 
clearly doesn't have any problem breaking barriers. Uh, so that that was really great. And I don't know. I to me, it it kind of is one big thing. These guys are are on a footballing quest, sure, but they're also on a personal personal growth quest, Dan. And I think this is just a one part of it, the mental health side. I think it'll be interesting to see how Ted struggles with the idea because he's a coach that came from college athletics. So he's dealing with people who are maturing at going from maybe being a, a child in the essence of being a younger adolescent to being a full adult through that. And so part of his responsibility is not just in the nature in that type of scenario with helping a, put together a program but helping to develop people to inspire people to solve problems and what we're seeing is ted having his place atop the totem pole within his players lives challenge a little bit because he's seen or wants to be the individual who solves the problem you know when rebecca had a problem he wanted to figure out how to solve it when higgins has a problem he wants to figure out how to solve it he, when sam has a problem he wants to get the birthday party together to make sure he can get him back to being comfortable and confident and so now his dominance actually in that scenario he's being challenged a little bit as well and so i think we'll get a chance now brandon to see how he deals with that as well but i think it all again ties back to that idea of trying to come to terms with what you can or can't control this season is going to be a big part of that. Correct. And we've got new faces in the locker room, which we'll get to later, which just adds new variables. Uh, it's like another theme, too, is uh, inter international communications. <laughs> different countries have different communication styles, so like that will be a part of it as well, I think. So... Um, all right, off to the Crown and Anchor pub trivia, which is really just weird questions and observations. So it's like, if we were to go back at the end of the season, you could kind of write a pub trivia with some of these things because they're not like the most common parts that came out of it. We're going to kick it off with Coach Nate. Seems like he's on edge this season as compared to the timid Kitman from season one. Uh, why the change of approach? I mean, he, he kind of had a bit of a an outburst when trying to help, uh, help, I should say, uh, Danny Rojas with his, his, his issue. Why don't you show him his his (laughs) fucking paycheck? Like, all right, God damn. All right. (laughs) To which last was hilarious. And he was like, Oh no, he goes, you know, my bad. I shouldn't bring an umbrella to a brainstorm, which again, fucking killed me. Great line. That's a (laughs) phenomenal line. Yeah. I don't know what's going to go on. Nate. I think, it's entirely possible, like Dan said, that he's uncertain in his new role. Maybe he has some imposter syndrome, right? Because he's not maybe the UEFA licensed coach that we would expect in that role. Um, but it's so odd to see him in a negative place when typically he, if, if anything, was a, was trying to uh, break through in a positive way and just was too scared to do it. And so... I don't know if it's if it's just that or if it's like something else that's kind of chewing away that we're going to figure out in, in future episodes, Dan. I hope it is something that gets resolved quickly because Nate's comedy or comedic timing has been a part of joy in the series. And look, I think there's a lot of struggle going on right now 
for all of these individuals. Like they're broken. They've been sent down the table <laughs> in seven slash eight draws in a row. Like it's just not a good place and not a good headspace for any of them. So hopefully Nate can refine his his humor at some point. Particularly, I think it's going to be either a beard or lasso really kind of pulling him in and helping him course correct appropriately. Uh, it'd be great. Like I, I actually think beard was probably, if not for the Rebecca date scene beard, could, you know, offering up that, you know, person to person counseling to lasso to be like, look, you know, you, you might want to consider this. You might want to take a different perspective on it. And, you know, challenging his good friend uh, and giving him perspective was probably the, the underdog or the runner-up for uh, player of the show or uh, person of the show or episode. But, yeah, um, maybe maybe Beard will get him right. All people are different people is a phenomenal line. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a phenomenal line. It, it, and it's so dumb and simple that you're just like, well, yeah, no shit. But also, in the context in which he's sharing it, it's the perfect thing to say, right? Not all therapists are alike. Not all experiences are alike. You have to talk to different people and explore different things. And if you're just going to assume your previous marriage counseling experience is going to carry over to Dr. Sharon Fieldstone, you're wrong because they're two different people. Nick, you dated another dancer, didn't you? I did. Too many. You dated a lot of different dancers, didn't you? Uh, so many of these like one lines throughout the entire thing. You to your point, all people are different people. And last was like, I said that. And he's like, yeah, you did. It's pretty good. Um, and they take a serious saying and they follow up with like something very humorous, right? Where Coach Beard was like, yeah, I, I did date another dancer. <laughs> I dated many other dancers. Um, it's a good balance of that. Uh, another one, which was the yoga night scene with Roy and the older women. Um, nice payoff from playoff from, from season one. He He tends to... He tends to be around a lot of women for being this hard man, for being this kind of like put my walls up, don't want to talk to anyone, introvert. He hangs out with his niece a lot, loves hanging out with his niece, reads her bedtime stories. Now he started to like have these emotionally mature conversations with Keely. And now in his free time, he's doing yoga and rosé night with a bunch of older women. Like th- th- I'm starting to pick up on this theme with Roy too. Like you don't see him having a boys night. I, I, we haven't seen it yet. No, I mean, you think back to season one and, uh, you had Isaac, uh, who asked him if he was going to go out to the club and Roy's like, Oh man, are you going to be there? And Isaac's like, yeah, he's like, fuck no. <laughs> like, uh, like this is a, it's, it was interesting to watch. Roy get peppered with questions by Rebecca's kind of dud of a date, right? And where he hated his life and was uh, will parlay into the next question with the number of whiskeys that he ordered during that session. Uh, and then you see him with the women, the, the older women in his yoga class, just so calm and so, like, available to talk about stuff. Uh, and then you see him see jb tart and you start to see the fucking fire turn back on you're like all right what's going this guy is complex dan complex he is not a simple man despite his attempts to be cast as one and it'll be interesting to see if seeing jamie on tv inspires him to think that he can be better on tv than jamie was on tv Mm. maybe that's the spark to get him on Mm. the sky because 
well, you know, if I'm going to be on TV, you know, I'm going to go out and talk about football. I'm not going to go around lottie dolly dotting in my bathing suit, you know, trying to pick up, you know, British, uh, Bournemouth's, you know, fifth hottest single. Like, I mean, he's going to go do something a little more proper. Um, I don't know. I, I, I love the next question you put together, though, because I was trying to actually do the math on this before the question was there on just how many whiskeys he ordered. <laughs> well, how many he ordered and didn't get and how many he actually did consume, because there's probably a delta there that existed. Right. Uh, but the question posed to everyone is, how many whiskeys did Roy order at dinner with Rebecca? Not how many has Nick drank during this episode? One. The the options that I listed in, and said script were three, four, or five. And remember, how many did he order is a is the question. Yep. Right? Okay. Are we counting as a single pour? Like cause those look like doubles. Well, okay. I'm, we, I'm not gonna lie, they look like a double. We gotta keep it simple though. Glasses yeah. of whatever <laughs> bourbon, whiskey, scotch, whatever he had, glasses is the unit of measure. Yeah. Okay. Their their serving sizes clearly are in metric, not imperial, Dan. <laughs> yeah, usually when we order bourbon in the UK, Dan, we don't usually get the the comfortable three finger pour. They usually measure it out by the ounce, which is a real bummer. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So as we start to wrap this one up, any surprises that maybe popped out this episode? Uh, obviously, Nick, you've uh, talked about the the intro scene, so we can move beyond that. But any surprises that popped up to you guys? Uh, throughout this episode, I think, uh, Dan, we can kick it off with you. Well, I was uh, surprised that only two women in Danny Rojas's bed. Uh, that was uh, n- a little that. bit of a shocker moment. <laughs> were, you, were you surprised? Is that a little stereotypical? You know, it was it was a little stereotypical. Um, but, you know, football is life. Football is death. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, you you know, football is just football. Well, I, just, I thought it was interesting. It seems like the show is very aware of things and topics and i thought it was a little interesting that they had the latin player in bed with two women but again i maybe i'm reading into it football's apparently fucking too that's pretty cool that was (laughs) oh aggressive uh nick you had a good one only one of them the the dutch player uh, I believe his name is Jan Mott or something like that. Well, I couldn't yep. really tell with the used to be a player for New Newcastle. Jan Mott, yeah, uh, yes, an outside I, back. I, I remember that. Yes, yeah. um, but I, I, when when Obi Sanya is like, he's not being rude. He's being Dutch, and everyone's like, ah, okay, got it. Yeah, because the Dutch are notoriously just very literal. They're just what you say is what you mean. There is no coloring outside the lines there's no colorful whatever so it was it's he's going to be a fun character this year for sure is jan moss was the jan moss moss okay Okay. yeah i think the other one that you had that i can see was nate the great turns into nate the hate i think that's well structured um and i do think it's the pressure i think for him it's the pressure of this season and having a new role uh i still think it's hilarious that that scene right at the end of season one where he showed up and he's like who's this He's the kit man. I'm the kit man. No, you're not anymore, Nate. And he got his promotion. It was like a funny way for that to kind of come about. So I was trying to think back through the episode again real quick, but it's just, you know, a, a lot of a lot of character stories are kicking off, right? And there's a lot of different places that this is going to go. So I think I, I just kind of took it all in. The only surprise I had was how quickly the episode ended. 
uh, I was kind of like, wait, that's it? Like we're done already? And um, yeah, so I, I'm I'm already counting down until Friday. For I, episode I can't imagine. Like I can't believe how much they jam into 33 minutes. Like it's amazing. Like there's so much. We just spent. However, an, almost an hour talking about <laughs> about 33 minutes worth of stuff. Like that's how much shit they shove into this. It's incredible. Yeah. All right. So for the last one here, we've got winner, winner, football dinner. Who won the episode? Uh, I won, but I'll let Nick, you go first. You lost, but that's okay. No, no chance. <laughs> Yours is funny, but it's not correct. Um, Roy. Roy is the winner of this episode. He stole the show for me. Uh, I did like Dr. Sharon Fieldstone a lot, and I think she added a ton without saying a lot in this episode. Uh, but Roy's evolving character is, to me, going to be one of the main storylines of season two, and I could not be more happy about that. I thought that he was tremendous in this episode. One point that I've forgotten to make until this point with Dr. Sharon Fieldstone, she's a, another strong female voice. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought she came in very professionally but direct with ted and doctor yep not doc doctor and she was like i believe you're good at your job you know mind games with him she goes but i'm even better at mine i got this twice as good as you are done so again it's just providing us another strong female voice in this episode which is really cool anyways dan uh go ahead and piggyback he's here he's there he's every fucking where roy kent roy kent Kent won the episode 100%. Hundred percent. Right. I, I think Beard was my runner-up. Um, you don't get that, but yeah. Stop parlaying. Uh, close. Second. It's not ranked choice voting, Dan. <laughs> well, look, I, you know, I just I have to share my beliefs in the uh, you know involving uh, dem- democratic process, if possible. Uh, probably one that a lot of people missed was when Higgins said, "We got a huge food delivery from our rivals, Brentford," and they're like, "Why? Well, why?" Like, oh, it's Thai food because <laughs> they keep fucking tying. <laughs> like, they, it's like so good. most people are going to miss that. Like, you need to go back and see it. Brentford, their rivals, sent them a delivery of food as a gift, but it was Thai food. Banter Just FC. roasted him. Just roasted him. Also, the, the other little thing that you might not have picked up on is when uh, his ex-wife sent him the photo of their son wearing seven ties. That was excellent. I missed it was, that. Yeah, yeah, it was really. It was a. It was like two seconds and it was gone. But it was very good. Yeah. Shit. Look, the depth of this show is incredible. Uh, all right, boys. Anything else? I'm excited for the next episode. I mean, if if this season goes anything like this first episode, it's gonna be fucking epic. I mean, it's gonna be really good. All right, that's it for this episode of The Underdogs. Please connect with us at Pod Underdogs on social media to continue the chat there. And if you'd be so kind as to take 15 seconds to leave us a five-star rating and review, that would mean the world to us. We'll see you on the next episode.